answering the last batch of your questions, talking about some new rule changes across baseball, and if we have time, going through another old scorecard. All today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, what is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I am, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Friday, December 22nd, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Alrighty, well, welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a fantastic week as we send you off into the holidays this weekend. Uh, yeah, hope everyone's doing well during this holiday season. So uh, we are going to answer the last few questions of the mailbag. We're going to talk a little bit here at the start about the new rule changes that were are going to be implemented. Nothing crazy, but some notable things that we'll discuss for sure. And then uh, because it's not like a full, full batch, because we've been doing the mailbag for three episodes now, uh, if we have time at the end, I don't know how it's going to time out. But if we do, uh, then everybody got a real nice kick out of the uh, the old scorecard bit from a couple of weeks ago. So we'll pull out. I have my, my stack. Uh, here next to me. So uh, if if we do have time, we can go through another one of those at the end as well. All right. So uh, let's start off by talking about the rule changes across the game of baseball. Uh, it was announced on Thursday afternoon at about 2 p.m. that the MLB Competition Committee approved of the changes of the 2024 season, including 18 seconds with pitch clock with runners on base. Okay, 18 seconds now. Four mound visits, down from five. Uh, If a pitcher starts to warm up before an inning, he must face at least one hitter. That one's super fascinating. And then the runner's lane to first base has been widened to the infield grass. So nothing earth-shattering here. Uh, I think when it comes to the slight change in the amount of seconds with runners on base, uh, everybody adjusted to the pitch clock really, really well, pretty quickly last season. So I can't imagine that that's going to be too big of a deal for people. Uh, the mound visits from four to five, I also don't view as a big deal just because like when was, have you ever heard about a team running out of mound visits? Because when you change a pitcher, that that doesn't count as a mound visit. Uh, I I can't even recall a time at the major league level where a team ran out of mound visits. So I I don't mind that. I don't think that's going to be too big of a deal. Uh, The other one is if a pitcher starts to warm up before the inning, he must face at least one hitter. That one is is pretty fascinating to me. Um, I I think that that could play into strategy a lot. uh, That, again, like the, the 
He must face at least one hitterness of it all, but there's also the three batter minimum if you bring him in, right? Like there, there's a lot of uh, a lot of factors and variables in that one. I, I don't think that that will be too big of a deal either, to be honest. Uh, it's definitely going to take some getting used to of just like some certainty from from a viewership perspective of oh that like we're going to see him at some point kind of thing if it's before an inning. And then the last one, I won't change the game dramatically, but I know that managers across baseball are thrilled about the uh, the running lane being widened. None more thrilled, most likely, than your manager of your Detroit Tigers and A.J. Hinch. A.J. has been unbelievably vocal about how awful he thinks the runner lane rule is. And it was like the only times you saw him red in the face mad or like get ejected from games last year were in instances where the runner's lane situation popped up. And AJ is a very, very, very smart man. And I don't think that he was arguing because he, I think he was arguing rule rather than execution or carrying out of rule. Does that make sense? Like, I think he was well aware when he was getting really mad at those runner lane violations that they were probably the, the umpires were probably correct, but he has been so vocal and adamant on how much he hates the runner's lane and where it is drawn that uh, I do think that it's that this will be rejoiced from uh, between a lot of managers again, and maybe perhaps none more than the manager of your tiger. So uh, yeah, nothing earth shattering here, but definitely some stuff to go over. Uh, there's, you know, we, we, we want to be on top of everything. AJ says he reads, he rereads the rule book every off season. I, I've always liked that story. So, okay. So there you go. New rules done. Let's get back into the mailbag. We're going to finish these great questions up and then we will get again, if we have time at the end of the show to a scorecard. Okay. Uh, I feel like, you know, heading into the holidays and a Friday episode, et cetera, not a bad idea. Okay, let's start with a question from Tony Miller on YouTube who says, do you think there is any way that Colt Keith is our opening day second baseman? Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Tony. Uh, I think there is absolutely a way. And I have been saying for most of the offseason that that is – what I think the plan is. I don't even think it's like, oh, there's a chance. I think that is, I think that's the goal. I think that's what the Tigers want. Now, does that mean he's going to get it handed to him? Absolutely not, right? If he goes out there and, and hits 050 in spring training, then guess what? Zach McKinstry is going to be your opening day second baseman, ladies and gents. But uh, I do think that the plan right now is if he even looks remotely ready in spring is going to be him. I think that there is a reason why, excuse me, a reason why the Tigers have not addressed second base. Now, it's also totally fair to go, well, they're not addressing third either. They don't really have anyone internally to do that. Uh, and I, I, I understand that sentiment and that rebuttal. Uh, I really do think that we have a question about Keith and Young later that will kind of address my thoughts on on third base and kind of the flips same ish question but for third instead of second as well. But uh, I truly think it's it's the clubhouse favorite. No pun intended. I think the the percentage of Colt Keith being your opening day starter is over fifty percent. 
like I said, is it a hundred? No, absolutely not. Uh, but I, I do think that if you had the odds of every single human being on planet earth and had all of their individual odds to be the opening day, second baseman for the Detroit Tigers, Colt Keith would be the favorite for whatever that is worth. Not a guarantee, far from a guarantee, but I do think that he is the favorite as it stands in December, right? Months before, obviously. So that'll be one of the biggest storylines in spring training that we will certainly highlight a lot and have under a microscope uh, to no fault of anybody, certainly to no fault of Keith, but he will be under a microscope this spring because I think the, the I mean, dare I say expectation is for him to be the opening day starter at second base. Okay, let's keep the ball rolling here. We got a lot of great questions uh, to go through today. We will do that right after I tell you all about our friends over at FanDuel. We've been talking about FanDuel all week, and we're going to continue because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and so much more. We're in the thick of a fantastic MVP race. Is Brock Purdy the NFL MVP? Is he? You tell me. Okay, you can get on the, get in on that action over at FanDuel. We also have a fantastic playoff race shaping up. The Lions obviously jockeying for playoff position amidst that. CJ Gardner Johnson may be coming back soon. There's a lot of stuff going on in the NFL, so it is a blast and a great time to get in on all of the fun offers and action. Over at FanDuel, so go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, everybody, welcome back to segment two here, Locked On Tigers. Appreciate you all for tuning in, making us your first listen every single day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We will be back. The plan is on Monday. Uh, and we record the day before, so uh, I really don't like missing shows uh, for y'all, even though it's the holiday season. So we're down to three a week, so I won't be recording on Christmas Day. But the plan right now is to record on Christmas Eve and give you an episode for Christmas Day. Maybe we'll do something fun, have a fun, corny, cheesy, you know, like Christmassy type of episode, something like that. I'm not really sure. Uh, but the plan is to still do three episodes next week and, and really not miss a beat there, okay? Uh, so I appreciate you all greatly for the support. Be sure to check out Lockdown Sports today as well, uh, the first ever 24-7 streaming channel on sports. Uh, they're here for you 24-7, like I said, covering the top stories in sports from local experts with Lockdown plus the national network hosts as well. Uh, Lockdown Sports today on YouTube. Subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Alrighty, let's get back into all of your fantastic questions. Don't want to miss a beat here. Uh, next up from Don, we have in regards to the batting lineup, what are your thoughts on Parker Meadows being the leadoff hitter followed by Green and Torque? Torque potentially could see better pitches, plus Parker has a good eye, plus he has speed. Love the program, Don. Thank you very much, Don. I appreciate the kind words. Um, so this is, my, in, in my perfect world, Don, in my perfect world, Parker Meadows is the leadoff hitter for this team for the next 15 years. In my perfect world. Unfortunately, as we all are aware, most of the time, our perfect worlds are not reality. 
And I think this year you're going to see, geez, excuse me. I just like swallowed on air. Um, You're going to see Parker Meadows lower in the lineup. Uh, I do not expect him to be the leadoff hitter, at least early on in the season. Now, if he got off to a great start and he's drawing walks, then boom, boom, Bob's your uncle. The dude's going to be the leadoff hitter. But I would not hold my breath on that. I would not expect that. Uh, I think that if that were to happen long-term, it would be down the road. I certainly don't expect it off the bat. No pun intended this year. I think, like, Parker Meadows played Major League Baseball for a month last year, right? A month. And he was a, he, he did fine at the plate. He wasn't exceptional. He wasn't otherworldly. He had a huge slump where he didn't have a, have a hit in like 25 at-bats or whatever it was at one point. But the thing that excites me about Parker Meadows is there's pop in that bat, okay? He has legitimate 20 home run potential, okay? And, 20, you know, in today's day and age, that's you know not, not 30, 40 home run guy, but if he's in 20 to 23 homers plus playing elite center field, plus running elite base paths, that was worded horribly, plus running at an elite level, right? Base running at an elite level. Uh, And the thing that excites me the most about Parker Meadows, and this has been something that we've been talking about in this show since this dude was in AAA and highlighted it a lot throughout his one month in the majors as well, he is really good at not expanding the strike zone. And I think that that is why this organization is just putting all their chips really in one basket on Parker Meadows being the opening day center fielder next year. That's why I don't think they are really going out and really worrying about a backup plan or too much because guess what? Uh, like he, he fits their profile and he plays such a good defense, et cetera, et cetera, everything I just mentioned. So um, I, I, I think that he still has a lot to prove before he's in the top part of the lineup long-term. Uh, again, the first couple of months of the season, I'm not going to expect him to be in that leadoff spot, but if he goes on a heater, and he's a really, really good hitter and blows all of our expectations out of the water, then I would because he draws walks. That is why. I I think this organization is dying for a true OBP guy at leadoff. And that's why it also wouldn't shock me if Mark Canna got looks at the leadoff spot every once in a while. Do I think he's going to be like the perennial, you know, like guaranteed night in, night out leadoff guy? No. But it would not surprise me if by the end of the year, his lineup distribution looks a lot like Robbie Grossman's did in Robbie's good year, not his bad year, uh, with the Tigers, where they weren't afraid to bat him leadoff because they knew he would draw walks. They weren't afraid to bat him fourth because he had a little bit of pop, right? So um, that's kind of where my head's at with the leadoff. I don't think there's a guaranteed option. I don't think there's one guy that's going to play you know, 90% of the games at leadoff. I think it's going to kind of be a revolving door. Uh, but I do think that Parker Meadows' longer term is probably more in that conversation than in the short term. Okay. Next up we have um, from Bear Hudson on YouTube. When will our team start spending on free agents and Japanese players? It's frustrating to see uh, others improve while we stay the same. Obviously that's a shared sentiment by a lot of people. The Tigers are actually in the top eight. I want to say they're definitely in the top 10, but I'm pretty sure they're in the top eight in baseball in uh, money spent this off season. Uh, Now, that does not directly correlate to talent brought in, right? The Yankees have not spent a single dime so far this offseason. Well, I guess they signed a minor leaguer today, but uh, or on Thursday. 
Um, but they have not spent a dime uh, on the major league roster so far, but they've also brought in Juan Soto. So like it's, it's, that's not like a direct, I'm not trying to say the Tigers have had the eighth best offseason or anything like that. Um, but they are, they are like, and people get upset when I say this because they haven't done like a big flashy move, but they are making moves. I understand that the question is more, when are they going to get a, a bigger name or prominent player, but they have actually been just on pure like moves, like one of the more active teams in all of baseball and certainly the most active team in the American league central. So uh, we'll see as far as the, the Japanese route goes. Uh, that's something that this front office really wants to get better on, and it has been a shared frustration over 20 years by a lot of people. So you're certainly not alone, but this that's something that Scott Harris has said publicly that he really wants to improve on and address and get better at. Um, so we'll see if that is able to come to fruition. We'll see if that is possible. Uh, we'll see if that ends up happening, but you're you're certainly not alone in that regard as well. Okay. Uh, so that's it for the YouTube on the original episode. Again, that was, uh, my goal was to get through like the, the original questions from the original episode where I asked, which was not this past Wednesday, but the Wednesday before already. So now we have a few questions on Twitter and then we'll be done. Okay. Uh, from Tigers Stan, fantastic, uh, Twitter account supports my work. I appreciate you greatly says, what is the Tigers' plan if Keith and Meadows struggle offensively in the majors and Young struggles offensively in AAA? This is one of my favorite questions here because, again, I, I cannot reiterate how many uh, – I keep calling them ifs – there are on this roster. There are so many question marks on this roster. And for as much as – the the optimist in me and the optimist part the optimistic part of the fan base is really looking at it going wow there's a lot of upside here right there's a lot of upside in torque there's a lot of upside in green there's a lot of upside in keith there's a lot of upside in jung young rather uh parker meadows etc etc there's also the the pessimistic side of my brain that goes well if if you're you're banking on you know if there's a lot of if there's a lot of different possible outcomes several of those outcomes are bad as well and that is something that we all need to prepare for not everything will go right that 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 has never happened okay not everything will go right there are players that we are planning on and we are penciling in to be part of this team in 2024 or, or 2025 that will not make it or, or will struggle, right? That is inevitable. That is the game of baseball. So what, hap- what happens if we have a, a, a remake of 2022 and we look around and Cold Keith is struggling and Jace Young is struggling and Parker Meadows is struggling? What happens? I think when it comes to second base, I think it's just going to look a lot like it did last year. I don't think that one's really rocket science, right? You're, you're going to see a lot of Andy Abanez. You're going to see a lot of Zach McKinstry. You're going to see a lot of being played on matchups, and it's mostly going to be those two. As far as third base goes, it's going to be Matt Veerling. Because I think for as much as I have criticized Veerling's ceiling and the potential and the heights that I think he could reach, he I think relatively objectively has at least somewhat of a above 
<laughs> above replacement level floor, right? You're, you're not going to get negative two war out of Matt Beerling. Is the ceiling limited? I think so. But you're going to get a one-win player out of there at minimum, right? So I think that's the, I think Matt Beerling's the plan on opening day. Nonetheless, if if Young doesn't work, right? If Young struggles at third base, and that's the thing, that's like super feasible. Like we're all talking, and me included. Like I, I'm not blaming anybody as as much as I am myself. But like we're all talking, like Jace Young is like the future plans at third base. You know, by July he might be here. He has only played third in the Arizona Fall League. He played like three weeks of third base. Not even at the minor league level. In the AFL, he played three weeks of third base. And he wasn't that effective at the plate two seasons ago. Right? Like, there, there's still so much more to prove there. When it comes to Parker, I, I think that is the the truly the scary one. Because the other two, it's just going to look similar to last year. I don't think they want to put Riley Green in center field. So I think if Parker is hurt, Riley will get opportunities there, but not consistent ones. I don't think the organization wants that. And so then you're talking about, uh, okay, well, maybe Matt Berling has to play center. Well, he can't because he's your third baseman. Okay, well, maybe you keep like all of these utilities type of players you have and you're going into the season and it's it's Andy Abanez, Zach McKinstry, and, and Matt Veerling at second, third, and center. But like, I, I don't think the organization is confident that Akil Badu can play center field. They're certainly not, they, they, they better not be confident that Kerry Carpenter or Mark Hanna are going to play center field. That's the scary one. That one, like, if, and that's, again, very possible. He was up here for a month and was okay at the plate and had an 0 for 25 stretch at one point, 28, whatever it was. It's not out of the realm of possibility. I'm not trying to be like a Debbie Downer. I'm just saying for as for as, as much as you uh, look at a player and you can tell yourself, oh, like, I'm really excited about the ceiling. You have to you have to factor in the 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 flip side of that coin too because that's just as possible. Okay, um, so I don't even know if I really answered your question in like a super creative way, uh, but I, I think it's just going to be the utility circus like it was last year. Circus, not trying to be like derogatory, but like the the revolving door rather uh, of utility players. So there you go. <laughs> we got one more question I think on Twitter. One or two more. And then, uh, if, like I said, if we have time, we're going to do a scorecard here. We'll do that right for this. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked on Tigers. Appreciate y'all greatly for tuning in as always. Uh, so next up, I think we have two more questions. Uh, we have one from, oh no, I can't find it. That's kind of devastating. Uh, this is such good radio. Oh, found it. Okay, this one's from Don on Twitter. Uh, mailbag, it's the middle of December. How would you rate overall the offseason so far? Um, I think I would do... Man, you also... I, I want it to be clear. I was a terrible student. So, like, a C-plus for me might not... Is, like, kind of, like, fine. <laughs> and it might be, like, derogatory for some of... Of you uh, people who are much smarter than me out there. Which I feel like is probably most of you. I feel like 
I would probably give this a fine C or a C plus. You lose Erod, you're bringing in Flaherty, Chafin, Maeda, Canna. C plus, B minus, C plus, B minus, right? And, and I've talked about this before, right? It's it's a fine line you're trying to walk. I, I I understand that they have brought in talent. I think they've improved at several different areas. I think that they have addressed team needs very well. Uh, all of these things are true, um, but how much of a difference is two middle to back end of the rotation starters, one lefty reliever, one corner outfielder that was a you know league average ish hitter last year really going to to change your offseason like your your team how much of a difference can that have i think that if the tigers are to take a big step forward next year it is going to be significantly more because of the core that's already in place taking a big step forward than it is the collection of veterans that we have that we have collected this offseason. And that's a super, super important thing that that I believe that I, I want to make clear. Um, I, I don't mind the offseason. I certainly don't. But they haven't added enough talent where the season's going to be like made or broken by who they brought in this offseason. A lot of high floor, lower ceiling type of guys. Which is fine. You need stability. You need veteran presence. I Again, I think they got better. But if this team's going to improve their win total by 10, it's going to be because Riley Green and Spencer Torkelson and Tarek Skubal and Casey Mize and Parker Meadows and Colt Keith are, are all taking you know st- legitimate strides forward. Okay, and that kind of nicely transitions into our last question here. Which is from Nick on Twitter, uh, Twitter X. Uh, again, I don't even know what it's called anymore. I don't really keep track. Uh, the question is, what are your proverbial ceiling and floors for Green and Torque in terms of OPS and home runs this year, assuming Riley can play by late April? So, uh, yeah, this is this is a great question. We'll talk about this a lot more when spring training comes around. Uh, we'll we'll kind of do like a player preview for as many people as we can get through uh, before the season starts during spring training. But um, I, I think that for Torque, I I have always been uh, a, when comparing Green and Torkelson, which when they were prospects, a lot of people really like to do. I have always been of the belief that Riley Green was the one and Spencer Torkelson is going to be a very, very solid middle of the lineup hitter if everything works out well. Um, but as far as just player value goes, Riley Green is uh, what was always the person that I thought had the higher ceiling. Part of that's positional. Uh, part of that is profile. But um, th- so when I talk about the heights, assuming full health for all of them too, obviously, uh, which Spencer Torgelson does not get enough credit for being an Ironman last year. The dude played pretty much every game last season. Um, when I talk about ceilings and floors for them, uh, I, you know, floor is, is a little trickier. I, cause I don't know. I mean, there's a reality in which Torkelson has like a similar OPS next year with less homers, right? I don't expect him to take a massive step backwards, but uh, like, I, I don't think we're going to see 2022 Torkelson ever again. Thank goodness. But I, uh, and I'm sure he would tell you the same thing. 
but I, I don't I don't view their floors as too much worse than what they did last season, which I guess is kind of a good thing. Uh, but I, I do feel like if they put up similar seasons, both of them, then what to what they did in 2023, that people would look at it and maybe be somewhat disappointed. As far as ceilings go, you saw Riley Green's ceiling in the month of May and then into June before the injury. The dude had a thousand OPS throughout the entire month of May. He was the best player on on the field in a majority of games. He was easily the best player on the Detroit Tigers, and he was a just permanent difference maker, night in and night out. Um, if he's consistently pulling the ball to the pull side and, and is able to do that, but still spray it to all fields, et cetera, et cetera. Again, as we'll talk about a lot more in depth as we get closer to the season. I see no reason why he can't be a solid, you know, 820 to 850 OPS guy while providing his value. You know, he, he's a pretty good runner, providing his value plus defender and corner outfield. Um, I, I see no reason why that shouldn't be something that uh, is very obtainable for Riley Green. Uh, now, obviously, like best case scenario is like he goes out there and wins like MVP. That's why. I really like the concept of the 80-20, like best and worst case scenarios, rather than talking about the 100 and the zero or the 99 and the one, right? Because 80-20 is like, okay, what's the realistic ceiling? What's the realistic floor? Obviously, for pretty much everybody, the, the okay, if everything just goes well, he's going to be, you know, you JD Martinez exists. Like if the best case scenario is, you know, the guy that was literally cut by the worst team in baseball, Turns into one of the best hitters of a generation. Like that's, you know, obviously that's truly best case scenario. But I, I like the 80th percentile, 20th percentile take on, on ceilings and floors these days. And I think that that's, I think that I would be very, very pleased if Riley Green pumped out at 830, 840 OPS uh, with, with some really hot streaks in there, including, uh, you know, health, just really first and foremost, but including some plus defense in the corner for Torgelson. My benchmark for Spencer Torgelson this year is I need an 800 OPS. I need it. I need it. I need it like air. Uh, that is, that's my biggest thing with him. Uh, I, I think, you know, clearly he, he has already shown in year two that he has 30 home run power. That's awesome that we've already got that figured out. We know that he has the ability to, to end the season with a home run total that, that starts with a number three. That is awesome. Um, but uh, he needs to walk more. He needs more consistent at-bats. He needs just more consistent uh, production, right? A lot of like kind of roller coaster, hot streaks, cold streaks. Uh, I, I think the walks especially, if we can raise that number to a good point and just get him taking smarter at-bats, I'm rather excited about Spencer Torgelson. And that is, is I'll, I'll, I'm going to bring it up a lot uh, as we get closer to the season. You're going to get annoyed by how much I say it. I My benchmark for Torgelson is an OPS that starts with a number eight. Very, very, very badly. That is what I want for him this year. I think that that would be him trending in a fantastic direction. I think that that would be him actually utilizing his power well. Uh, I'm uh, that that's my That's my mark for him. All right. Uh, we definitely don't have time for a scorecard, but Christmas episode, maybe we have fun. We'll do a couple of them on, on, on Christmas day. Okay. Is that a good compromise? I apologize. Didn't mean to, uh, to tease everybody there, but 
Uh, we just, I, there's, I don't want to make a 40 minute episode today. And again, we'll, we'll have a fun Christmas episode. We, we can kind of just relax and uh, maybe do some of that for Monday. All right. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. I appreciate you all greatly. I'll catch you on Christmas, baby. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then. Go Tigers.